0: You look all pink. Even the wall <laughs> looks pink.
1: Oh really? Yeah. I feel like pink is my signature color. <laughs> <laughs> um were we talking about Gustin at all when I came to your show? Or I feel like maybe we talked about him. Do you like him?
0: <laughs> yes, I really like him. Um yeah. I don't think we talked about it when you oh, okay. but um i'm I'm kind of pleased you bring it up him up because I don't think it's obvious at all of a connection, but I feel it's a really good one,
1: yeah, um, I'd be curious how you relate to him, but I was just there's a um I love him, he's one of my favorites, and there's like this talk he gave that I kind of returned to a lot where he talks about like painting and art and like um I guess like there's someone an artist or a general idea that like kind of art is what you see or whatever and he's like no it's like totally not it's more than what you see it's like what happens in your mind or it's like um it's like about like having some kind of feeling or something like sets you off and then kind of the relationship, I guess, between the material and the immaterial. And um I was kind of thinking mm. about that with your work a bit.
2: Mm.
0: Interesting. I don't know that talk. I want to, you, you, you're you going to have to give me that the yeah. link or something because I yeah. want to listen to it or read mm-hmm. it. But um, yeah, there's a, I think, a really important conversation in... Maybe not all art, but a lot of art between the material and the immaterial and the tangible and the intangible and presence and absence. Mm -hmm. For sure. And maybe that's why, I mean, there's a huge, there's a big connection there has been forever between religion and art. Yeah. Of course, you know, to state the obvious, but, um, Oh man, I lost you. Oh, here oh. <laughs> religion and art, and and I feel that that, that idea of the presence. What's present? What's absent? What one can sense, uh, as opposed to know, or what what one can feel. Um, yeah, what what is beyond? You know, like big yeah. question.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I, no, and of course I, I don't mean like sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no. Yeah. Um yeah, I feel like kind of like all the most important things are kind of like not like love is like intangible or like all of the things we kind of feel are very intangible, but like we try to kind of make them visible or something. And yeah. um yeah, I don't know. I guess I was thinking about that because you work in abstraction and and I have never been an abstract artist, although I feel like I appreciate it a lot. But I'm also kind of um uh I don't I feel like maybe it's something that everyone kind of does in their own way. I mean, maybe you could say that about all art, but like there's something that's more mysterious about it to me in that like
0: about abstraction.
1: Yeah, you know I mean, I mean yeah. that's maybe a facet of it—the mystery of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I obviously I think it's done in figurative work at all, uh, of yeah. course, a lot too. But there's maybe a way in which it's a little more direct uh, yeah. in work that doesn't, you know, refer to symbolic conventions or figurative conventions. But, yeah, I feel I was just reading um, this really interesting excerpt in a a book by Lynn Tillman where she talks about photography and it's her last book. It's called Men and Apparitions, which Mm -hmm. is such a beautiful title. Yeah. But she talks about a ton of many things. Like this book is so rich, but one part of it is, um how she's saying how photography, and she's quoting other people, but photography has is connected to this need to prove mm. that we as a culture really have and this need to kind of understand through visibility and and you know proof of something existing and being there um, kind of like we have a we, we, we have our phones and you're like, can we see me? Can you see me? You know, I'm here. Can you see me? Like this, this proof of existence, GPS. Anyway. And I, I think that's really interesting in relation to photography, of course, but I was like, wow, abstraction is kind of the exact opposite. It's, it's, uh, It's not proving anything. (laughs) And the question then, I was like, well, then, you know, holy shit, what is it that we're gaining through this opposite almost approach and what kind of knowledge derives from not proving, (laughs) you know, not touching, not seeing, not proving, I guess, touching and seeing, but not intelligibly.
1: Yeah, like in I feel like another way I was thinking of it was like, um, well, kind of inventing or like you get to kind of create your own parameters for what it's supposed to be or how it functions or something that no one else can really. I mean, we can decide if we like it or not, but you are kind of inventing this whole schema of how it even functions. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah yeah and i I mean, I do think there's a real political uh content to reimagining form and matter, you know yeah. like I think we need to reimagine our world yeah <laughs> and and it maybe it doesn't start through reimagining form and matter, but that is definitely part of it,
1: mhm, you know. yeah I mean I think your work is also like while it's kind of maybe all abstract art has a mystery your work is very accessible in a way too like I've seen a lot of pics at your show at turn of like kids kind of interacting with it and like it's very just like beautiful and colorful and I don't know right yeah
0: yeah I mean I try to that's what I I well two things. I try to really leave space for someone to project what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for projection of and like I I try to make pieces that can receive meaning instead of proclaiming it. Um so maybe that's part of the accessibility and they're kind of screens.
1: Yeah. In a way. Yeah. And I was wondering I, if you have like a like, I feel like, yeah, you could see them in a lot of different ways, like screens or windows or portals. Right, portals. Like, yeah, but maybe, yeah, I kind of wondered if they, if they, if you think, if you think of any like real world um, reference point or you already or you like them to be kind of unnameable more so.
0: Well, I like both. I, I like them to be unnameable, for sh- of course, but I do always. I feel I'm always referring to the the world in a way,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: yeah, to me, they're lenses, they're doors, they're windows, they're portals, um, they're mirrors, mm-hmm. um, all these things, and and. Uh, yeah, at one point I was—I I kind of forgot—but you're reminding me of this. I was really interesting, interested in how uh, sculpture could be playing with things that usually are connected to two-dimensional media like painting and photography. Mm-hmm. Like how we refer to painting as a window, or obviously lenses are connected to photography and the camera. And I was like, yeah, well. Sculpture too. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I think of them as big, kind of sunglasses. You know, like yeah, <laughs> with a gradient Ray Ban. Yeah,
1: sunglasses. I love the gradient. Like it's very. um I don't know. It does feel kind of transportative or something, um, and then just the the floating too. Is I mean, actually, there's I was thinking also, we're kind of referring to the ones that are more translucent. But there's also right. like all these, there's a few different configurations, like there's one that leans against the wall. And then there's right. some that are on the wall. But they yeah. all like retain this kind of like, yeah, like, I think you said in the press release statement, like, they're neither paintings or sculptors they're kind of in this liminal space Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah. (laughs) but they're all they're very physical like I think it was nice that I got to meet you at the gallery and and yeah like I think it's really important to see them because I in person because they're there is like a real sense of relationship to your body and physicality yeah. and tactility and stuff
0: for sure and then you know they change so much as you move around them and and they move a little and i mean they're really tactile i think they're they're you know i manipulate them a lot i i, I touch them <laughs> they're fingered a lot
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and so, I don't think that shows in the photos that much how how kind of fleshy oatmeally they are,
1: <laughs> yeah, they're very like yeah they you feel a sense of your hand and like a process like they're not like real perfect, like they're not perfect, yeah, yeah, that's for sure, yeah, that's important to me that
0: they're not perfect, and both just because it becomes a much more forgiving process as I make them and that has been kind of a I don't know that just made my life a lot easier to to embrace the imperfection Mm -hmm. but you know it's not just that it's also the the whole value system I guess that comes with accepting quote-unquote flaws or or mistakes or just kind of occurrences and not not establishing a a hierarchy uh, within my process or within my goals.
1: Yeah. There's something about that that reminds me of Richard Tuttle a little bit. Like, I don't think your work really looks like his, but it's like this, I feel like he uses these really humble materials. And you know what they like, the sense that they retain their kind of selfness and and are kind of transformed or elevated at the same time. Like, right. I, yeah.
0: His work is so playful.
1: Mm-hmm. I really
0: like his work too. Um, and I think, like we talked about religion or spirituality or sacredness. I like to mm-hmm. use the word sacredness more than religion or spirituality because the other two terms can be confusing and they carry other... <laughs> other kind of baggage bad yeah bad associations Uh um but so we talked about sacredness um but i think play is another thing art has always been connected to um you know culturally forever the and it probably stems from a very similar impetus the play and and the kind of sacredness this need to understand or not even to understand completely but to to confront a mystery and to just process it
1: yeah or even transform like it makes me think of the way like kids can take like just like a stick or something and make it into like something else or a gun or whatever it is
0: oh you're right that transformation that's crucial I -hmm. think it's it's what we do. We just transform stuff. Yeah. <laughs> As artists. Yeah. I love that. That might be a, one of the best definitions I've heard <laughs> about art. Mm. Transformation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Alchemy.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um. Right. So I'm very interested in like, uh, like the material kind of, yeah, the way you transform things actually, like, Um, I was looking a bit at your past work. I think the first time I saw your work was at Safe Gallery, um, which feels like kind of contingent with the work you're making now. But it seems like this, like, vinyl and transparency, like, kind of emerged at a certain point. And that, that feels like a transformative moment in your trajectory. And also... Just even like I was talking to Annika about the show and she was saying like, actually all the work is, has this vinyl in it, even the ones that look like opaque, like it's actually starts with this material. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah I was wondering how you discovered that and how, yeah, you started working with that. Well, it's funny
0: that vinyl fabric, which is so ubiquitous now, like we see it everywhere, but um, because it. Of- I think I told you when we met, it's what they used to make the tents on at, at the restaurants for out, uh, outdoor dining. You know, uh, it's just this, this plastic material. Um, I had used it for a really, really long time, but in smaller areas and I didn't paint it. The color you, you saw, it's spray painted on the vinyl.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but when I found it originally, it was for very different reasons. That I was interested in it, it was because I like my work there then was much more kind of organic and quote unquote natural looking, and mm-hmm. I was looking for a material that would offset that that would be a little more kind of i don't know hardware story or mm-hmm. pop kind of or or synthetic i guess
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, so that I started using that in small sections, and I liked it but that interest, that kind of doesn't interest me anymore. In fact, I'm a bit concerned now about using plastic and like, mm-hmm. I'm just not, that's not my my thing anymore. But I love that material still, unfortunately it's plastic <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, because how it allows me to make something that you can see through as a viewer and see your own reflection And because it evokes all the things we talked about earlier, the lens, the the window, the portal, the sunglasses. But that seeing through what you're looking at and seeing yourself, I feel is super important. And like I really like not knowing exactly when a a piece starts or ends and when, you know, because also the color kind of tints the space around the piece. So there's no there's no real border yeah so that's now that's more why i i use that material Mm -hmm.
1: that yeah and when you were talking i was like oh also stained glass definitely it feels like a kind of like contemporary stained glass feeling or something
0: right but that i hadn't even noticed until this show where now it's kind of obvious because there's a stained glass window beside it if yeah. <laughs> you don't make the connection well. <laughs> but I hadn't thought of it. Yeah. And I like that reference too.
1: Yeah, me too. Like it feels like in that, like it, again, like you said, it's not like overtly religious or anything, but it feels in that kind of realm of like sacred yeah. or awe, awe-inspiring or something like that. And yeah. even that idea that it could like kind of radiate on to you or something right
0: but also that that sacredness I don't think I would have been aware or interested in uh like two years ago or, or one year I think this last year really kind of fomented some of that for me and and um or maybe I, I bet more accurate to say that I accepted it or not noticed it in myself more clearly than before, mm-hmm. um, and I connect I don't sacredness with this kind of intense care, <laughs> and I do think we really need more more care, <laughs> yeah, um, in the world now, yeah, both uh, you know just caring for each other, but also this kind of care where some things are just sacred and you don't mess with them. You don't exploit them. <laughs> you don't, you know, there's, and I, I guess some by some things, I mean life. Like we just need to have a deeper respect <laughs> for life and care for life. Mm,
1: that's life in
0: a very broad, broad sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, was there... I mean, I can relate to that. I feel like I've kind of dabbled in different spiritual stuff, although I'm not, I wouldn't say I have a religion per se, but I am very interested in that kind of stuff. And um, was there anything that like sparked this kind of shift in you or? Um... Well, you know, I grew up in
0: Quebec, which um, was very Catholic, but my parents' generation rejected it en masse, like huge rejection of the church. So I grew up with a very, very healthy suspicion of the church. Yeah. So it's certain it's I I kinda grew up with the opposite. Um, you know, not baptized, no church, nothing. Um, and no other spiritual kind of paths. But um I have always been very interested in art connected to religion and to, you know, there's just Uh, to state the very obvious (laughs) there's so much amazing art connected to religion yeah but I I don't I think it's it's the environmental huge crisis Mm -hmm. it's the movement for black lives it's the pandemic like these huge pressing issues that require um, among many other things but require real care and respect for life and you know an idea of justice that is that involves caring that is not Mm. just abstract I feel
1: yeah totally I mean I feel like um I definitely feel like kind of yeah like really simple things like just connecting with people or um even just like yeah valuing things that seemed very ordinary a year ago like I want to not like lose that sense of like really how much they mean right yeah right yeah Hmm. um I was actually thinking about like the title of your show and how I don't know if this is where it came from but I it's called eye contact for the listeners and Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. like there was a certain point where I felt like that was the only kind of contact that we had with other people and um it is like strange that it's become this much larger part of our lives in a way because of masks like um like it's like eye contact is very intimate you know like Mm -hmm. uh, it can be uncomfortable to like actually it reminds me of with my students I would do a thing which was kind of lifted from Marina Abramovic where she would like have the audience like Look into the person next to them's eyes for like two minutes straight, and um I had my students do it, and I think it mm-hmm. was really hard, <laughs> like I think one kid didn't do it one time and seemed really angry that I was like asking him to do it, and it's interesting how intense it is and how little how little we're used to it,
0: right, interesting, hmm. yeah. I, I was thinking. I mean, I I knew that in a way the title was related to our existence now with masks, but I wasn't thinking so much of that directly. And I was thinking just of that idea of eyes touching. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I just think it's such a beautiful thing to imagine eyes imbued with tactility and touching. Yeah. And. I do think that in a way we touch with our eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's how the world comes to us, not only, but that one of the way and how we kind of reach out to the world. And I feel we see so many eyes and it's almost like sometimes I feel things have eyes and, you know, I just love that idea of eyes touching.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That reminds me of how I like in school, like learning how to draw, I feel like one of my teachers talked about kind of imagining like your eye was like touching the thing you're drawing uh, yeah, yeah,
0: my teacher did that too. I always remember that I always loved it,
1: yeah, um, it really works, kind of, or it actually it connects you with the thing you're drawing in a different way that is cool,
0: and it slows. You down, and mm-hmm. I think visual, vision, and tactility have very different paces, of course. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: and the fact that you know you can, in a glance, you can see a lot of things at at once, uh, distant from you. Um, that's connected to all sorts of I don't know forms of knowledge and forms of power. Mm-hmm. Um, but tact, the haptic or tactility, generally involves people touching one thing at a time and kind of at arm's length, which I think carries very different forms of knowledge in relation to the world and very different power dynamics. Yeah. Um, so I, I I try to mix, mix the two in my work. Like those two senses are very, are totally, are crucial to me. And recently I've started talking, thinking a little bit more about sound um Mm -hmm. with with the pieces you find the show the hanging pieces uh, suddenly because they move and because they're kind of floating you know there's vibration involved they they reminded me or i started thinking about sound and maybe a note or things like that so that's new that's kind of exciting to me also to have the auditory component creeping on me
1: (laughs) yeah have you ever been to the dream house
0: no i have never been able to find the time when it's open
1: yeah i don't know what the i think it's actually open now but i'm not 100 sure i'll put a link to it in the show notes but that is actually could be really cool i feel like i see a connection especially with like color and these like floating kind of abstract. You're right
0: I'm gonna yeah. look into it again.
1: Yeah it's pretty incredible good. like as an art experience like it's pretty it's like extremely sensual I would say like because the sound is so intense that it you do feel the vibration like in your body and stuff and um yeah I think that Camille um do you li- like have have you created music yet? Or or maybe it's not music either, but just sound or
0: I haven't and I, I don't even know that I, I would do that, but just thinking of the connections of sound and and vision just as and thinking of how to make that a little more uh, explicit or Yeah Im- implicit even.
1: Yeah. I think about well, because I used to make video and I and I like film a lot. Like sound is so kind of powerful in shifting yeah. emotion and stuff. Um, there was also a, a David Hammond show at the Munching gallery like a few years ago that he just had a soundtrack of this like early Japanese like court music playing and it was mm. really beautiful and like I don't know it gave the whole show a real I mean I love his work already but it was a really yeah. lovely like thing that was like it wasn't it wasn't even you know something he made he just like chose this kind of music and I really enjoyed that part
0: interesting Yeah, huh. I don't feel like I mean I saw two shows of his there but I don't know if that one that piece I don't, or either I don't remember, it or I didn't see it. Didn't yeah. See
1: it was like, I don't know, it was a show that felt like kind of like a mini retrospective. And I don't know, maybe I got lucky. Maybe they weren't playing this music the whole time, but it was like I ended up emailing them for what it was because I really like
0: oh. So that's how you found out what music it was? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. I think
1: it's Great. from like 16th century or something
0: huh nice
1: yeah Mm. (laughs) um that reminds me too that we talked a bit about dance and how you had this wish to maybe collaborate with dance someday or yeah i
0: would love to i i feel there's i mean i guess that the the Ivan rayner and trisha brown and Simon Forti, mm-hmm. who are all kind of working with and alongside the minimalists, and that history of how embedded uh, sculpture and dance were in those years, and and like the kind of forward thinking of form and space and movement um, that was, you know. Done through sculpture, but mostly through mo- moving bodies in space. Yeah. Um, I find really interesting, and I also think that it's been kind of eclipsed. Like we, art history has shown the two separately for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, and the way I think of how you know people will move around the sculpt my sculptures is very connected to that kind of collaborations that they were doing and I, th- I think it has their roots there its roots there mm-hmm. and also the way the, the interest in kind of ordinary tasks and and uh, you know non-skilled dancers and non not climatic or not dramatic um, kind of one thing at a time
2: mm-hmm.
0: low transformation all those ideas Art. Yeah, I, I find it interesting to. I would love to explore them through movement and through, you know, dance somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah, those, like, I feel like they're all very kind of trying to bring in kind of the ordinary movement of every day and kind of egalitarian like yeah they wouldn't like wear costumes or something yeah
0: yeah yeah or even
1: that like a kind of a score idea that their dances could be re kind of performed by other people too
0: exactly yeah I mean in general I feel (laughs) I don't know if this is a lofty thing to say but I tried to really kind of level hierarchies <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I, I find color is a really useful tool for that. Um, it's just so fluid and so uh, malleable and so kind of it, it disavows separation. So to me, it disavows hierarchies by that very nature.
1: Yeah. Um, Totally. I mean, I think, yeah, I love how color isn't, like, intellectual at all, at least to me. Like, I, it just cuts through, like, um, you know, you just have a feeling about a color and you don't need to understand it um, or, or have, like, words for it even. Yeah, and, and
0: there aren't really good words for color. I
1: yeah.
0: Mean, who, who can... talk about color that well
1: yeah or they people that try but I don't even I don't even want to talk about color in that way like I don't I like don't want to intellectualize it like I feel that's kind of denying what it does in a way or the Mm -hmm. things I like about it
0: (laughs) right yeah I really love color I, I mean to me it can really be a caress like, I, mm. I find it really sensual, really physical. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it doesn't need to be um, agreeable always. It can be harsh. It can be difficult. But um, it is physical. It's, again, this intangible and tangible thing that we started the whole conversation with.
1: hmm Yeah. There's, like, I mean, I'm not deeply into this really either. But I feel like there's, um, like different charts and things like new agey things you can look up with color that's like says what like the vibration is around it and stuff right which is kind of cool I like like I don't know I don't really know the (laughs) things about that but I like thinking about them a little bit
0: (laughs) yeah I once went to a Korean kind of spa and they had color rooms Mm. (laughs) like whoa
1: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds fun. I would love to go to a spa. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so maybe we could talk a little more about like, like I feel like we've been talking kind of philosophically, but I would, I'm always curious, just like how do you actually like began a work or, or even how did this, like do you think of a body of work kind of strategically or does it more just evolve kind of from this ongoing process? No, it evolves. And the ideas
0: often, like the reasons that I do something or or the ideas often come to me after, Mm. almost always. Mm -hmm. Like now I have a show up and I'm thinking and I'm looking with more kind of Distance—it's not in my studio. It's not, you know, under sheets of plastic protecting it from the many leaks I have from my roof. (laughs) So that's why I'm—I'm more—I'm interested or thinking about kind of philosophical points. But when I make or start, it is very much about an idea that I draw out um, very roughly. And, but I, I do need that, that kind of sketch to, so that I get get up get up of my sofa, yeah. <laughs> you know, to the motivation. Um, and then, but often I'll also most of them have a welded steel kind of armature, mm-hmm. and that I do kind of all at once. I make make a ton of sh- shapes that I draw, and then I make sort of these similar shapes with my steel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that I'll do that for two days, and then that probably will last me for I don't know a year or two of, of shapes. Mm-hmm. And then I can stretch vinyl on them, or or put coroplast which is this corrugated plastic I use a lot. And there are always things that I can. I've developed a uh, process that allows me to change my mind all the time. Mm-hmm. So I do that and I kind of meander and and work on several pieces at once. So when mm. I'm stuck, I just move on to the next. Yeah. Um. And it's funny because I make drawings, but they're pencil drawings. They have no color. And then after a little... You know, after a while in the process, it becomes all about color and just I I go home thinking of color combinations. I just obsess about the colors I'm going to use and Mm
1: -hmm. then
0: it's all color for a a while. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. So you can make these kind of like skeletons, but you don't have to know exactly how they'll be kind of.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the hanging pieces. That even allows me to change the direction. You know, I can hang them upside down, I can rotate them. Of course the freestanding pieces they kinda of have to stay on their foot. Yeah. <laughs> Although I have put the foot on the wall, so I guess I can do some flipping. Mm-hmm. But the others I I really yeah, I I move them and, you know, I make holes in them and that can be decided later Mm -hmm. and then if the hole doesn't work i can cover it and just patch it up and that's why sometimes i become very bulky Mm -hmm. because i've patched them with the layers of cardboard or, or plastic corrugated plastic so yeah this process is meandering
1: that's cool yeah i like that about them how they have this kind of like um almost like craters and like hills and valleys on some of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it is really like a discovery like you discover the forms as you build them
0: I do and 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 it's funny how I mean does this must happen to you too like I can obsess about a piece that is not working and then at home I'm just thinking of it at night and then I find a solution in my head and I go there with my solution I know how it'll work and then I don't even do that solution I do something completely different
1: (laughs) yeah totally I feel like I actually feel like I keep coming back to this idea that like most times when I have a plan it's like not that great or something like maybe I like you said I need to have the plan anyway but like often it seems better if I don't if I don't have too much of a plan and I like let the thing become what it has to be yeah but you need the plan I guess you need the plan to
0: to kind of side to be able to sidestep it somehow <laughs>
1: yeah just to like yeah it almost doesn't matter what the plan is like as long as you start somewhere and jump off of something and then yeah like maybe don't be too like married to the plan <laughs> Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah and then sometimes um I guess a difference is sometimes a same solution can be almost repeated or transferred from one piece to the next. And then at one point, like, you just can't do that anymore. You get bored. Like that solution doesn't excite anymore. Yeah. And and then, so then it becomes a, a slow kind of figuring out something else or a solution doesn't work for this in this other situation. And you just kind of fuss and try to figure it out and then something else happens.
1: Yeah. It's interesting like I feel that in your work like I feel there's you can there's definitely like a kind of recognizable style or look to it but it's it feels like there are all these different kind of people in a family or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like um I don't know, it, it's funny to think about the ones that Began like transparent, but end up like completely opaque. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like I don't know. There's something I like the kind of secret of that. Like I was intrigued by that, like how they end up getting completely covered over.
0: Yeah, at one point I had a rule that I said, I've that I have broken many times since now, and it's not even a rule anymore, but I felt that it was stupid to cover things completely like that. Every gesture you did, you should at least see a tiny bit of it and never not cover it totally because I was just, you're just kind of insecure and not accepting your past decisions. Just accept them and move, and build on them. Uh, and that worked for a while. I, I feel it helped me. Um, but now that rule is forgotten and broken all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just, uh, yeah, I move on, I cover.
1: <laughs> yeah, that kind of reminds me of uh, another Gustin quote, which I'm going to just paraphrase, but something about like, um, like I think he's kind of talking about works that he like painted over basically and, and like, How he feels like, yeah, in retrospect, maybe he just wasn't ready to accept that part of himself yet or something. And how I feel like I experienced that a lot in the studio of like, is this like ugly or bad, or is it just that I feel really like vulnerable and it's just really new to me or something? Like that can be a really hard line to decipher, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean there are criteria, but if it sounds like you're like me, and the criteria is not one of that can be articulated in language, and yeah. so it's feeling, and then you know obviously feelings they they embrace other feelings, and it's hard to to know which part you need to accept or not because like you said oh is this ugly or bad but what do we mean by ugly or bad is a huge it's a constant question like we don't when we're making it's all about questioning that and yeah beauty quote unquote is definitely not a given (laughs) yeah it's It's a question I feel it's not a given
1: (laughs) yeah exactly especially maybe if you're working in a like zone of imperfection or something like you know it's not you don't you know it doesn't have to be perfect or even resemble something specific but yeah but deciding yeah what the criteria are and yeah if you can bear like (laughs) letting it be seen or not
0: Mm -hmm. it's really complicated it's fascinating
1: yeah (laughs) Do you um, ever ask for help in like determining that, like outside eyes? Oh yeah, are, yeah, yeah,
0: a lot. I have, yeah, yeah, for sure. I have lots of people I trust, and and I ask them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I also have a group that we for. I think it's almost been seven years that we meet every month in one of our students stu- two do, tios, sorry uh-huh. there's nine of us so uh-huh. we have a group crit
1: oh is um really. is joy curtis in that too yeah joy
0: yeah. is in it
1: oh cool yeah I'm very intrigued by this group actually it's An awesome, awesome, group. awesome how did that start it happened
0: um Evgenia, who's in it curated a show with most of us in it uh seven years ago I know it's seven years because I was pregnant mm-hmm. and and then we had dinner at my place after the opening and we kind of all met and I think we just decided then to do it and we've d- been meeting every month since I mean not it not during the pandemic
1: yeah
0: um, and it's it's very great it's really great
1: yeah I'm really and it, impressed how long
0: yeah, and we have new members, a few, and, uh, you know, two people moved away. hmm So, but, yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. Also, to know other people's work for so long, for seven years, and see how they've evolved, and
2: yeah, it's great.
0: It's awesome. <laughs> so, they're very important in my yeah. process. And then
1: I also have other,
0: several other friends who come. comment
1: Mm -hmm. that's really um valuable like I was gonna say like I don't even know who it was at this point but someone said like basically after grad school like you'll never really have anyone be as honest with you as there unless you like really tell them to or something or like invite them to like most times in our adult studio visit situations people just like tell us what they like or something and not necessarily the full like hard truth or something
0: (laughs) yeah I mean it's not even what they like or dislike that I need to hear it's uh what it makes them think of or what it or how they see something. You know, I feel sometimes it's so good to see your words through somebody else's eye. It yeah. helps so much. Um, and of course, liking is part of that, you know, that's an yeah. important part. But also, and then people giving you ideas. I'm, yeah. I'm down with that. I love it. If someone else can fix my problem, I will accept it <laughs> happily.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds really valuable and nice I kind of want to be in the group actually there's ever an opening (laughs) maybe yeah (laughs) it's all women it's all women Mm -hmm.
0: and that also just kind of happened yeah I mean I think it's a it shapes the group very much but we don't we didn't do that purposefully at all
1: yeah it sounds really cool it feels like it kind of harkens back to another time or something like I don't know somehow it feels like something that would happen in the 70s or something like (laughs) I mean I'm sure there's other people that do it but there's something really like mm, I don't know it just seems like Cool and something we should have more of, and like this kind of solidarity or something. Yeah, oh,
0: it's totally seventies. It's potlucks. Like we to- we bring food. It's very
1: mm-hmm. wholesome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, are there other like you were talking about color and and how you like? think about that all the time when you're in the color phase are there other things that kind of inform you like do you look to any other like mediums or or visual things that inspire your color or even other things like yeah
0: yeah I, I mean you mean my color specifically Well, it
1: doesn't even have to be just color, but like, I wonder if you like look at a film and it makes you come up with this color or, yeah, I'm just curious if there's a, if you can track where, where it comes from in some way. I can't
0: always exactly track, but I can tell you that, uh, (laughs) Like, I think The Simpsons have some of the best colors I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I really, like, I I kind of melt sometimes when I look at the colors. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, amazing purples and the yellow, like, just really good color. Um, So, and other movies, for sure. Like, film, I think, has beautiful color. Yeah. Yeah. then of course I look at I look more at painting than other forms of art but, mm. but I I think there's there's something of the materiality of the way color is embodied in in that paint and the materiality of it that is very exciting to me.
2: Yeah.
0: And there's like a a way it's both an illusion and a real very concrete substance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh that I I find I don't know, just endlessly compelling, I guess, in painting. I don't think it always needs to be a rectangular shape, but that's another story.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You are a very, like, painterly sculptor or (laughs) sculptorly painter. Like, I do feel you feel these things very well together, which is, like funny or like so my undergrad degrees in sculpture but I now have taken on this oh, you're a painter. painter identity <laughs> which I never thought I would and but when I was being taught in the 90s I feel like there was this ethos of like you don't paint sculpture like it's like the color of the material is the color of the thing. Yeah,
0: the truth of truth to material, oh my God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which seems so like random now, like it just seems like very arbitrary. I mean, there was something, I mean, I love, there's a lot of great sculpture from the nineties that I love, but it feels so unnecessarily restricting at this point.
0: I know, yeah, that's the advantage of aging is that you see how, arbitrary (laughs) many kind of accepted notions are
1: (laughs) yeah well I was just wondering if there's any painters in particular that that speak to you recently
0: painters yeah well there's many but now of course I'm going to be thinking of more fashion painters slash Sculptures like mm-hmm. Linda Benglis. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: I, yeah. I really have been influenced and loved her work for a long time. Yeah, um,
1: awesome.
0: And Elizabeth Murray, like just. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that makes a lot of sense, also. The,
0: awesome. the more crazy she gets, the more I like her. Maybe okay. less the kind of teapots or, or teacups, I mean, but her forms and her huge, big kind of wacky wacky stubborn (laughs) kind of I don't even know how to call them sculptures on the wall I guess and you know amazingly in your face color and just I don't care Mm -hmm. I also really like Polly Applebaum and Joanne Greenbaum Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I I
0: love the Monique Mouton that's a very different maybe a but I, I think she's incredible.
1: Mm. She has a show yeah. at uh, Bridget Donahue. Donahue, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I
0: haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't either. Yeah. High on my list.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool connection with Elizabeth Murray, too. I love her also. But it took me, like, I remember when I, at a younger age, at a certain point, I thought it was so ugly and, like, uncool and stuff and then at some point it just totally flipped and i was like oh my god she's like a genius like
0: <laughs> me too i thought it was uncool for a long time mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it's true <laughs> but i lose i agree she's a genius i think i i grew to accept pleasure more easily
1: <laughs> yeah i think i just the I just didn't understand the aesthetic like I was it was so 80s and it was so different from the kind of like coolness of the 90s or something or just my ethos as a younger person or something and but then I realized it's well it's very cool in its own way I think now and she's actually really radical and kind of punky like like it is kind of ugly at times or like almost Absolutely. aggressively uncool or so I don't know <laughs> yeah shamelessly yeah <laughs> uncool
0: yeah totally cool I agree <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: yeah she's a great colorist
0: too A great colorist yeah she's she just didn't care yeah went, went right. for it she just <laughs> went for it
1: yeah <laughs> Did you see that documentary about her? I never saw it. Yeah, it's so good. I like mean, it made me admire her kind of even more. If I find a link, I'll like post it in the episode too. But um, True, yeah. yeah, she's like a badass. <laughs> I know some people that actually got to like study with her at Bard too. It seems awesome.
0: Mm. But see, I think part of the what we both kind of felt was uncool. And when I, I was mentioning like growing to accept pleasure, I think she like to me when I understood her or got her, or it was because I understood how radical pleasure can be. Mm. And I always I had previously felt it could be complacent that pleasure was complacent you know, and I was suspicious of that. But I now really think pleasure is so <laughs> radical and full of, it, you know, can be super subversive and full of, uh is really important. I think it's really important.
1: Yeah. Pleasure, absolutely. joy. Totally. Where, where do you think the kind of suspicion of it came from?
0: I think... I mean, I think it was almost a kind of sexist, internalized sexism, that pleasure was a lesser form and and it was easy and it was connected to women, like it was decorative. Like how many times do you hear, did you hear people tell you in the 90s studying art that you couldn't be decorative? (laughs) I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I also kind of definitely link it to a kind of weird misogyny or something
0: yeah for sure
1: yeah and maybe that's like I think like all the things you we were talking about before too like I see kind of in a feminist way of like like sensuality and color even and not not having to justify them with like ideas or theory or something like, yeah yeah
0: but also that they're not separate from ideas or theories yeah like they- they embody them they
1: right they're just their own form of those or yeah
0: yeah they can go together and they can go separately yeah totally (laughs) but even what we were talking about earlier this idea of care um I think also has been down under overlooked because it was connected to you know women's work and and you know, yeah. so it was a lesser feeling to to care.
1: Yeah, totally. For each other, it could kind of, yeah, it's almost like uh, you could even kind of get into like capitalism a bit. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. For no, you can totally <laughs> go right into there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course.
1: Um, did you see the Nikki de Saint Phalle show by chance? Yeah,
0: I did. I did.
1: What did you think of it?
0: Um, I thought it was. I'm surprised at how positive people have been. I've always really liked her work mm-hmm. and I've always been like, I felt that was the only one thing that it was cool and, yeah. and great and goofy. And everyone was like, "No way! This is horrible and dumb." <laughs> but I, I did think, like to me, the show almost didn't give justice to how crazy exuberant. Yeah. Can be. Um, yeah,
1: I felt the same way actually. Or even like, I felt like they tried to downplay her transgressiveness. Actually, like to make it more about the kind of more like commercial palatable side of her work or something cuz she was like yeah did you watch there was like a film at the end that I thought filled in some of those gaps which I liked a lot but like yeah there was only like one of the shooting pieces and like she was pretty like intense and even she was intense yeah there's this crazy yeah. film she made too called Daddy that's all like very like incestuous and like weird like perversion mm. and stuff. That's mm. like, I don't know if I, I mean, I feel like I, I was very shocked by it when I saw it, but I, now I'm like, actually that was really cool.
0: <laughs> but you didn't see it in the show. No,
1: it Not wasn't in the show. Like okay. they referred right. to it in a wild text, but they, yeah, I felt mm. like they kind of a little bit tried to clean her up or something Mm -hmm, or make mm -hmm. her seem like nicer than she was or (laughs) or more yeah
0: i think she was pretty fierce
1: (laughs) yeah like yeah she talks about too like people would call her a witch and stuff which i thought was cool Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I, i i would love to go to her her tarot uh garden in italy that's definitely
1: yeah I'd love to see that. <laughs> I feel like she definitely didn't like shy away from pleasure also.
0: Yeah, for sure. But what I didn't know about her so well was how, um, you know, how much of an entrepreneur and a businesswoman she was. Yeah. And how like kind of a la the Warhol, you know, like perfume and, and, uh, jewelry that financed her yeah her work and and that was interesting to learn I, I just didn't know that
1: yeah totally I didn't really I didn't really know that either and I thought it was cool actually because I saw her as this kind of marginal figure or something and right it, like she was actually like a huge artist doing all these insane
0: exactly things. exactly
1: yeah yeah it's weird how she like she was developing a kid show and like I don't know had all these giant commissions and yeah like yeah. was on tv and hawking perfumes and I actually bought the perfume on ebay but it hasn't arrived yet <laughs> <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> I like don't I even know what it. it smells like but I'm like I want to smell like her or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Another thing like this relates to what we were talking about earlier. So when I was, I don't know, 18, starting art school, there was a a show of Nikki Zinfeld in Montreal that I really yeah. loved. And it became like, she became part of my, like, major influence or how, like, what do you want to, you know, making me go into art and stuff.
2: Yeah. And
0: um, so, that was my first contact with her. And then I, I lived in Mexico City and I saw a huge retrospective of her work, um, which was amazing. And then later on, I kind of rejected her work a little bit. And I like it didn't correspond to my feminism anymore.
1: Oh, interesting. <laughs> like,
0: and now I'm totally ready to embrace it again as a feminist still. Yeah, so- That's
1: really interesting. I do I feel like I well, yeah, feminism can be um, I mean, I feel like I've become more aware of how, like, yeah, some there can be different strains of feminism that can be a bit restrictive and more like trying to like cancel things out, or I don't know. and I yeah, i'm I'm totally with you. like I'm more of this kind of like opposite kind of all-encompassing feminism that doesn't have to be super like virtuous or something yeah yeah
0: <laughs> but there were years where like a social being a feminist by kind of embracing the archetype and the kind of like that felt too essentialist that felt too defining woman too narrowly. Mm. And now it's funny. Now I feel the opposite. Now I feel it. it, It's expansive. Yeah. I wonder if I'll go back to finding it narrow. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like in, do you mean kind of embracing like, like femininity as it, as it kind of traditionally is seen or yeah yeah Yeah, totally
0: like fertility yeah big curves uh,
1: yeah
0: decoration (laughs) and kind of big boobs big buttocks yeah (laughs) Uh, and also the witch
1: yeah and feeling even like feeling I feel it's part of that which I feel like yeah like an aggressive like um embrace of that <laughs> mm. <laughs> i just had a note this is my notes it's just like words i love it <laughs> um
0: you should make a show of all these
1: yeah <laughs> um yeah i'm just thinking about like the suspension of the work like when did when did that happen or or how did it how did mm. you start to do that Uh.
0: The- the hanging pieces you mean. Yeah. I, I did a few a long time ago and then for at one point I had an idea that I wanted to make a one show a big show of only hanging sculptures. This was like I don't know 2 years maybe or 3 ago. And I made a whole bunch. I have many more in my studio. And I wanted to call them the um I wanted to call them listeners um, and because I felt that a hanging hanging piece was kind of more fragile than a freestanding sculpture, or not fragile, but more receptive, more influenced by the exterior, and that connected to listening to me. And I also felt that it was a, listening was an overlooked quality, <laughs> and that we just need more listening in general. Yeah. Uh, we need listeners and we need listening. And I thought that piece is that kind of slung and kind of again, as I I said earlier, the kind of vinyl that is green and that can receive and that people can project and they, you know project meaning on the piece. And that yeah. the meaning becomes very ab- much about the relationship between who's looking and the piece. Um so that's why they they hung I guess it was yeah just how hanging made it a little more influenceable I guess made the piece more influenceable
1: (laughs) yeah that's interesting I mean even that you could kind of put into like the category of like feminine qualities of like receptivity is kind of in that zone but it's very like it, it feels like it makes it very like ethereal and kind of inverts some kind of thing about like sculpture often tends to be like heavy and gravity and like there's something you like trip trip over you know and and this is like the opposite of that yeah I guess
0: it's more of a a minor minor mode or something Mm -hmm. and I agree with you um that these qualities are are generally more associated with women or female um but that's when i start tripping, tripping over my feminism because it's absolutely not true that women are i don't think yeah you know, essentially more able to be receptive you know yeah yeah <laughs> and so i always like i want I just trip over my feminism. Yeah, I feel (laughs) you. By by rejecting those statements at the same time as wanting to advocate for those qualities that are traditionally but not necessarily uh, more associated with the feminine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like maybe it's not even whether they're, like maybe it's even just about, like, I guess one way that I think about is like kind of just um revaluing them maybe like that maybe yeah we don't we kind of value like assertiveness more than we value receptivity and and like Mm -hmm. I don't know like Mm -hmm. Jungian ideas like we both have all the feminine and all the masculine in us and stuff and like um but but some of those qualities maybe are valued and some of them are less valued or right. yeah right and yeah yeah and I I like the idea of yeah valuing feeling and vulnerability and even like lightness or playfulness mm-hmm. like even yeah pleasure versus. I don't know, challenge, or I don't know if that's the right word, but <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say it's ne- It's a relation of, it's not a relation of dominance, which assertiveness can, well, it doesn't have to be, but there are certainly a lot of relation that we value that involve dominating Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and I mean that's obviously a a big problem
1: (laughs) is there anything that you're currently getting ready for or something that's giving you pleasure or excitement right now (laughs)
0: No, right now I'm ready for the show to to just have time to and not have a show up because I feel it makes me um, in a more nervous state and I mm. <laughs> it's a it's a weird feeling
1: like you um, have to like work it or something kind yeah, of yeah <laughs> and
0: and yeah I'm always like it's out there and there's a lot of comfort and things being all in the studio and <laughs> me in the studio
1: yeah that makes sense, yeah like you can just get back to work, kind of yeah,
0: yeah exactly, <laughs> but don't get me wrong, I'm glad this is the show is up,
1: yeah, <laughs> not <don't> complaining.
0: Like... <laughs>